Welcome in to 2 Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 Foreign Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. I'm here in studio in Cincinnati with my guy, Mike Renner, ready to rip it up on a bonus listener mailbag episode. We're also going to touch on Chris Sims' wide receiver rankings at the top of the podcast. Let's get it. Coming in hot this morning, Mike. I've got a story for you. I got some new glasses. Let me get the solo here. Solo. The tortoise shell? It's like if you get in close, there's a little tortoise action on these. I've gotten a lot of compliments so far. They kind of look like my glasses. They do look like your glasses. <laughs> you pointed that out. I didn't mean for that to be a thing, but if you want to hang out after this, I'd like to. The story I've got, we haven't brought up my dad in a while. There was one time, so we've talked a lot about my cars that I've had. My dad has like wrecked three or four of them. One of the cars he wrecked was a 77 Trans Am, Pontiac Trans Am, V8 thing was i think front wheel drive so you, you could you could burn out in gravel and stuff like that it was sick i don't know shit about cars you know this you changed my oil i apologize that's true uh but for this car one day he was late to either an aa meeting no it was something an alcoholics anonymous meeting and if he missed this one he was going to get screwed by his parole officer or yeah. something it was like a big one you couldn't miss but my car the trans am was like running hot you know it was not doing well it was uh the radiator i think had a leak so then it ran hot to a point where you had to like consistently fill it with water and he was like he was one of those guys where he like put it into first gear when he didn't need to and it was just like it was a disaster so this thing was overheating and we had to stop at every gas station like five minutes every five minutes we had to stop fill it with water and i was like dude you're gonna this thing's gonna blow up we do this for like an hour hour and a half and like the heat in the Bay Area, in the summer, trying to get to this AA meeting. We're already 15 minutes late, getting to 30 minutes late. We finally get there. Engine's on fire, blowing up, black smoke. We get there. He goes in. He's like, oh, dude, they won't let me in. I'm late. I'm like, the car is toast. I could, we had to leave the car there. Couldn't tow it back. We walk back, like two hours back to the house. Cracks open a cold one, and uh, that's all she wrote. Never made that meeting again. Parole officer was a little upset. But that's how that car blew up. He also, that same car, the reason the radiator was even in that position. She just leave the car then, just like that yeah, car. Yeah, game over. Dead. See you yeah. later. <laughs> Have a good one. All right, I'll see you. But the other time, the reason that radiator was already in a bad spot, there was one time where he was kind of inebriated in the passenger seat and we were on the freeway and he was shifting for me when i was telling him like stop stop sh you know you can't do that it's not it wasn't a manual car like you're not supposed to shift an automatic to like down gear and stuff on the freeway and stuff but he wanted to like show off the fucking whatever and it was like that's how it originally overheated <laughs> how the, originally the uh the radiator kind of busted so that car was his fault he bought it for me at the time but you know it was like a thousand dollar junker either way that was the story i wanted to rip with my dad's a legend in a lot of ways. That's, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know shit about cars, but I know you're probably not supposed to do that. No, you weren't. Yeah. You're not. And my dad knows that too. Which is <laughs> <weird>. uh, <laughs> but yeah, having to walk back after he missed the meeting and him grabbing a six pack at the liquor store on the way back is just like an all encompassing, like, buddy. Yeah. What are decisions your decisions? Decisions, yeah. decisions. All right, let's get into some other decisions here. Chris Sims, wide receiver rankings. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen these yet or you haven't listened to his podcast, I encourage you to go listen to it. I think it's called Unbuttoned with Chris Sims. He came out with his wide receiver rankings. And the funny thing was, is the host of the podcast said something along the lines of everyone has their big three, you know, Jamar Chase, Jalen Wall, Devontae Smith in some sort of order. And he goes, wait, I got a different big three. I don't have the same big three as everyone else. His receiver rankings are he has Devontae or Jamar Chase at one. 
of LSU, Devontae Smith of Alabama at two, and not Jalen Waddell at three. He has Diami Brown of North Carolina at three, a guy that we've talked to a ton about with Connor Rogers when he was on the podcast a few episodes mm-hmm. ago and said he Connor just can't him. see it. Yeah, Connor, Connor Rogers said, I just can't see it. I can't see it with Diami Brown. Then he has Jalen Waddell of Alabama at four. This is back to Chris Sims' rankings. Kadarius Tony at five. And then Terrace Marshall Jr., friend of the podcast, at six, the LSU wide receiver one. Obviously, Diami Brown, we can start there. But the other thing I noticed, too, is no Rashad Bateman. I was going to say, these are two off the wall. Mm-hmm. It's just he fucking loves Diami Brown and hates Rashad Bateman. That's, that's pretty much what I'm gathering <laughs> yeah. from this, which isn't crazy. To me, I, I, I can't see, though, the sort of thought process. Maybe, I don't know, if, if you didn't go back and watch 2019 Rashad Bateman, I can see not being super high on him. After what you saw put on tape this year, just because he didn't put a lot on tape this year. I highly like, doubt he only watches his 2020. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If if you did, I can see not being high. In that would be nuts. Because it's just it was a more limited role. He didn't show off the downfield ability that he was kind of known for. He's also down 10 pounds after getting COVID. And down 10 pounds. <laughs> but like that's the interesting thing to me though, is because Diami Brown and Rashad Bateman's sort of where they win, how they win is similar in that. Like, they're not winning with pure speed. They're winning with physicality, with, you know, varying their routes and, like, and their releases being so good. That's kind of how Diamond Brown produced down the football field. That's how Rashad Bateman produced down the football field. They're not, like, how Jalen Waddle produces down the football field, which is he just runs past you. So it's interesting to me that he'll be at, that he is that high on Diamond Brown. And I love Diamond Brown. I think he's a great prospect. We've said, you know, that's the guy you want on day two. That's like, that's the guy to target. Who's the, who's the guy on day two that goes for, you know, that's AJ Brown this year. Well, it's not going to be an AJ Brown, but I think Diamond Brown is a very close, I think a very productive NFL receiver. So high on Diamond Brown, but like the Rashad Bateman, I am curious to see his rationale, shall we say. There you go. Last name scouting again. Diamond Brown, AJ Brown. (sighs) Dude. It's just it's a good it's a got a good track. I think Diami Brown got a good track be, record. I think Diami Brown could be one of those Tim prospects Brown. too. No, no, I'm legend. <laughs> could be one of those prospects too, where like you said this before, but if, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean he can't do it. Yeah, he ran a very limited route tree at North Carolina, but the routes he did run, the vertical threat, all that stuff, you have to get bored. And I remember when we were talking to um, Bucky Brooks of NFL Media, mm-hmm. he was saying some of the stuff that we were putting out on Diamond Brown, his average depth of target, average depth of reception, this guy was winning down the football field, had him going back to the tape on Diamond Brown. He could be a guy that goes higher maybe than people think. Top of day two, someone go get an outside vertical threat in Diami Brown. And I, I will say, when I was going through mocking these wide receivers in a three-round mock, that was a fucking beast. I think I texted you. I felt like Charlie Day meme, where it was just like the the arrows going everywhere. Trying to f- put a good fit together for a three round mock stinks, but it was tough to fit all these wide receivers into this into like the top fifty. There are guys who are going to fall in this one. Like last year, I think they there was a top heavy group, and then it kind of all got cooked by about pick forty. It's tough for me to see that being the case again this year. I think there will be into the mid, maybe late, some value at the wide receiver position. Something else that I was having a conversation with after these Chris Sims rankings came out is that just like it goes back to can't be overconfident in your valuation, man. There are so many different opinions out there to where like go back to the tape and watch Diami Brown. If you were significantly low on Diami Brown, I do think that and other people are higher on you. I think there's opportunities to go back and look at what he's done. Okay, like that. I thought you were going to say... You know, like it's more just uh I don't know what I thought you were gonna say. Just continue. Jeez, man. I don't know. What I <laughs> what I was getting at is that 
when you look at there's no you know you know like the no way Twitter where like yeah. you you throw out a mock draft and someone's like no way this player goes that high or no way this player goes that low. <laughs> Front offices are very much like Chris Sims in that they have opposite opinions to what people see in the media and all those things. And there's so much yes, groupthink and consensus bias in media because yeah. no one wants to. Unlike Chris Sims, who you got to respect him just like sticking his neck out there. A lot of people just want to make sure that they're close enough. They they deter some rankings here and there. They obviously have some opinions, but not a lot of media wants to come out and say, you know, I'm trying to think of another example. Um, like Kadarius Tony is the best receiver in this class. You don't want to be that opposite yeah. to those things, even if maybe you have that opinion after watching the tape and those things. But all right, you ready to get into this mailbag here? Yeah, let's do it. We have 96 questions to catch up to, I think, March 10th, and then another 75 to catch up to March 20th. And then I saw, I think we had another 5 to 10 coming yesterday. We're going to continue to churn and burn these mailbags. We might go five a week. Who knows? Before I dive into it, though, producer Mike Quinn, you're, you're on, the people are looking for you. On the YouTube comments, they're looking for the Isaiah Wilson video and the John Ross video. You left people. I hanging. did. I did. I, I fucked that up. I can, you know what? I'll throw it in today. I'll throw it in right now. Throw it in yeah. right now. People are after you, Quinn. You don't want to be. You don't want to be. Uh, they, they could turn on. You her. don't want to target on your back like that. They could also just get on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This uh, first one's from Jeff Sperano. My question is, if the Texans were to trade Deshaun Watson to Miami and get Tua, the number three overall pick, the number 18 overall pick, and more picks, what would you do at three as Houston? Mike. They? Okay, this one I actually, I dwelled on this one for a while. This one was tough. Because you know how we feel about the quarterback position. You know, that, that upgrade, you always want to do the best use possibly can there. But I think the Texans are in a position as a roster where they suck. Like, they will suck next year. I don't care what you add in this rookie class. Rookies rarely make that massive of an impact where you're going to be bad. And so you're going to firmly, like, you can put a pin in you firmly being in the 2022 quarterback class, even if if, if Tua, you know, Tua barring, whatever, however good he is, you'll probably still be in that class because you just have a bad roster. You had Sean Watson last year, who was your upshot of Tua, and he still went 4-12. and 12. It's just, and you've gotten worse at a number of positions. So, that being said, I would trade back or take Penesol at number three. Build insane draft capital. Try, try to get as many, try to trade with the Saints so you get some future picks in here. And that's what I would do because I think at this point in your life cycle, you, you want to be the Browns back in 2016. You want to be the team that just is, has this insane amount of draft capital. And, and then the Browns' draft track record wasn't even that good. It was actually pretty bad. It was still the same old Browns, but they just had more picks than anyone else in the NFL, and that's why they went back and now are a playoff team and now have cap flexibility and now are in a position where they could compete for a Super Bowl. That's what you could do if you're the Houston Texans here. So that's why I think I would either trade back or take Penny Sewell if I'm at three. I definitely don't think they – if you got Tua, I don't think it would make a ton of sense to take Justin Fields TV. or Trey Lance there. You're just in a bad – you're too – you're too early on in your life cycle. You're wasting three years of that quarterback's rookie deal, honestly. If you're and the roster is right so now. bad, yeah. the roster in Houston That's is so thing. bad. They signed. Did you know they've signed and or traded for this offseason over 32 players? That's. I was talking to Brad Spielberger, salary cap analyst. He said the most he's seen in an offseason is like near the 25 mark. You yeah. only can roster 53. Like, how many of the people that were on the team last year are not coming back? Like, well, they like, hated all of them. That's obviously. insane. Jack like, Easterby's that, cutting. 
I mean, talk about establishing a new culture. Bad like, beats. you're going to have an entire... It's going to be like the fucking Replacements movie. <laughs> like, no one's going to know each other. Honestly, though, like, yeah. there is not going to be... If Deshaun Watson leaves, J.J. Watt's gone, DeAndre Hopkins is gone, Brandon Cooks is going to be, like, the best Shane player Falco. on that team. Who yeah. would be the best player on the Houston Texans if Deshaun Watson leaves? It's Brandon Cooks, right? I mean, Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. Fair. You ain't going even, anywhere. It's very <laughs> true. Man, that's freaking crazy, though, what the Texans have done. All right, this is from Manaboy96734. With the Dolphins trading back to six sna to snag Micah Parsons to play outside to replace Kyle Van Noy be a decent move? And would Cincinnati be... Would Cincinnati consider a trade for the fifth pick for a 1-4 and Trent Brown for my Raiders to go all-in with freaks with Pitts and Wallace? So Brown's already traded. Mm -hmm. I highly doubt Trent Brown, given what he was traded for, would even come close to getting that kind of value um, for Cincinnati to go get Trent Brown. Raiders are tra trading up draft Kyle Pitts. I just, I don't think they will. No, I don't think they will. <laughs> don't think that's that happening. would be nuts. That would be absolutely insane. I do love the Parsons-Cal Van Noy fit. I think that's a role he could excel in. I do think Micah Parsons will fall come draft time for his off-field issues. I also I do. don't think, even without the off-field issues, I don't love the value at six. Yeah. Um, I don't hate the value. Really? At six. I think he's that good. But because in the Van Noy, like he's rushing the passer a lot. And that's where you get your value with Micah Parsons. He's a dude. In that I like part. Micah Parsons at 18 a lot more than I like him at six. He could fall to 18, honestly. All right, jumping to Ricky Williams, number one. Another Dolphins question. And thank you for, I mean, like, yeah, I like Trevor Lawrence in the third also. Oh, come <laughs> on. You, but you've seen Micah Parsons fall that far. Yes, okay. okay so eat shit. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, Trevor Lawrence at 10 would be a lot cooler, right? No, Micah Parsons has legitimately fallen down mock drafts. All right, Ricky Williams, number one. Another Dolphins question. What do the Dolphins need to do this offseason to take that next step to make the playoffs? The million-dollar question. Might as well be everyone's mailbag question. Do you think Tua is the answer, or should they make a move for Watson? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, everyone should fucking make a move for Watson on field. Uh, protect, protect Tua, though. That's what you got to do. He can't have the level of protection. If you go through the draft guy that pops out next week, the color-coded death charts are back, showing you how we project the lineups for each team. And on paper, they're still one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. You're banking on massive progression from Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, young guys on this roster. Eric Flowers is your most proven commodity along your offensive line at this point. That's your best. That's what you're hanging your hat on. That's a bad spot to be in as an offensive line. So get him some help. There's still some options available in free agency. That's not obviously... It's not over by any means. Like, you can still add there. But they have to upgrade. Like, you can't roll in and just just cross your fingers and say, hey, maybe this year they get better. They, they'll get a little better. Like Guys do from rookie year to second year, especially on the offensive line. But they got a ways to go before they are going to be an offensive line that can win you a Super Bowl or get you in that conversation with a, or help a young quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa develop. I want to interject the mailbag to follow up on a question we answered on yesterday's podcast about how early would you take AJ, Adrian Peterson in his prime? And I Ooh, said, that's one 32. of the questions. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll get to it down later. Yeah, we'll get to it. All right. Stevens. This is from Stevens. Which of the later round QBs do you think is most likely to be the next Dak or Russ? Man, if we had that answer, <sighs> producer Mike Quinn would be driving a Rolls Royce into the damn podcast room. <laughs> Kellen Mond, Davis Mills. Is Rolls Royce even a nice? That, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. It's like a half million dollar car. Oh, dude. go check in the lot. My Jump Rolls Royce chain. is sitting down there. <laughs> yeah. 
Kelman, Davis Mills, Newman, Trask, Ellinger, Bouchelle, etc. So I think because of the unknown factor, Davis Mills is the one I go back to as the ooh shit, like he's intriguing. If if there's a guy who just comes in the NFL day one and is a different player than we saw in college, it'd be him because we saw him five games this last year. Yeah. We saw him ten games his entire college career. Like he could be very different from the other guy you saw prior. Like he he might be a vastly different commodity just because quarterbacks like it's a position you need to see more of to really get a handle on. And he didn't have that great of a situation at Stanford. He's not playing with a bunch of, you know, NFL type talent at receiver and offensive line. Maybe a couple guys get drafted from there this past season. But that's the one who have, you know, and that was the thing about Dak. He came in day one, looked like a different player than like was NFL ready was the guy. So if I you tell me one guy Davis Mills would be that guy, I would say. But, I mean, there's arguments for at least Callum Mond and Kyle Trask as well. I don't see the other guys mentioned in that being feasible. Where do you think Davis Mills ultimately goes? Not team, but round. I think he'll second round. Second round? I think he does. Nice. Pittsburgh, maybe. Where do you think Pittsburgh is landing spot? I know you had Kyle Trask going to Pittsburgh. For the, the body type scouting. He's got the Rothsberger body he type. He does got the Rothsberger body He's got type. an AFC North body type. Love that. So does uh, – never mind. Mahomes is <laughs> – I know what you were going to say. Uh, Mahomes is lord and savior. This is from him. First question, who would be a better fit for the Chiefs? Elijah Molden, the Washington cornerback, or Greg Newsom, outside cornerback for Northwestern? Consider that drafting Molden would probably move Snead outside, and Newsom would allow him to continue to ball inside in the nickel and dime sets. This really is just a ploy to hear more love for Snead. Deed's great. He has to play outside. Not has to. You sure. want him outside. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. more valuable to you outside. I love Newsom. I think Newsom's the better player. I think Elijah Molden, he would take the sneaky need there is replacing Daniel Sorensen. Chiefs fans love Daniel Sorensen. He's not that great of a football player. They use him as a dime backer. That could be Elijah Molden. That'd yeah. be a great role for him, in my opinion. So I'll say Elijah Molden, even though Newsom's the better player and like maybe more value, but like I think you're all right at outside corner. But would you take Elijah Molden at 31? No, probably not. If Elijah Molden does fall to their second round pick, I think that would be sweet. If he doesn't, you know who I like there? Javon Holland of Oregon coming in. Mm. My guy. He's going number 10 overall. He's going number 10. Hey, don't. It's Mojo's birthday, asshole. Is it? Yeah. You bite your tongue. You bite your tongue. (laughs) I have a good story. I can't tell it on the pod. I have a good story about Mojo, though. I thought of something later on. That I I, did, I don't think I said in the pod. He has to know Javon Holland personally. Oh yeah, he does. Right? Yeah. They're from. They're both Oakland. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oaktown. Yeah. So like that was like. I don't think Oakland does. Anyone does this in Oakland? Quinn. I don't even know what does that anyone is. Anyone does this in Oakland? I don't think so. Uh, you're the Oakland guy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I see a lot of this. Okay, we're on a podcast right now, and you're oh, making hands. Oh So stupid. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is from Mahomes, Lord and Savior. Second, correct me if I'm wrong. I do believe both are worth trading out of the first into the mid to early second. That is, of course, if Vera Tucker and Tevin Jenkins are both off the board. He kind of just yeah, kind of answered that. Lastly, I'd like to thank Renner for his un- undying moderate love for Wyatt Hubert. Go Cats! Besides Deuce Vaughn, who is awesome. If you don't know who Deuce Vaughn is, he's the five foot five running back for Kansas State. That is like insanely hashtag fun to watch. He is. Yeah. He is insane what he does for Kansas State. Has and anyone plus, else? Deuce is just a sick name. Oh, it's always sick. Deuce. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to name my son Deuce. Has anyone else at K State caught your attention as a prospect going forward? No, it'd be cool if his middle name was Deuce too. Deuce, 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 Deuce. Spawn. That's that's, that's going to be my son. Cool name. at all. That sucks. 
All right. Has anyone else at uh, K-State caught your attention as a prospect going forward? Not especially. They're not really loaded. They don't have as much off-the-line talent as they did a few years back. The one guy who I will say is, I'm going to butcher his name, Ikao Boyedo. It's like a six-foot corner. He's 165 pounds. Though. The dude's a stick. But he played well as last year. Don't bring up weight but, on this podcast. And you got to say Wyatt T-Rex Hubert when you say Wyatt Hubert. Uh, that's true. Wyatt T-Rex Hubert. T-Rex Hubert. All right. This is from JJOOSH. I think it's Josh with a couple J's, a couple O's. Jush. If the Bron- <laughs> Jush. If the Broncos trade for Deshaun Watson, do you think it'd be wiser to give up their entire draft this year and no future picks than spreading out high-value picks over multiple years? I mean, I'd love to do that. Sure. Gladly. The Texans won't. The Texans. The Texans want multiple first. They yeah. want to. They want a way to build this roster. If you look at any getting sort all of, of the Broncos day three picks does not help you exactly. So <laughs> I look at any trade value chart. You like quite literally. You can have the whole. You can have all of day three, and it's not worth a top ten pick. You know, like add all those up. It's not worth like that. There's just uh, diminishing returns highly after you leave the first round. So that's why. Um, you're not going to be able to do that. Sorry. Yeah. I do think, though, that they've already signed all the day three guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they've, oh, man, they have signed a they lot signed of the NFL's guys. version of day three. Dude, like every single signing, it's like, wait, what? Didn't they sign Chris Conley yesterday? Like, they just continue to sign. I think they sign. signed guys who had been out of the league for like two years that they're just like, oh, whoops, I didn't realize. There's so many guys who are like, I'm in the social chat where we're like working to like react to some of these signings. I'm like, honestly, guys, I hate to say, I have no idea who this is. I don't know who this player is. I don't know if he's a depth piece or whatever, but he's going to Houston. Mm -hmm. All right, Steve from Philly. There's a QB in this draft that has the highest single-season PFF grade for a quarterback, total QBR, and passer rating of all time. You guys have him ranked fifth. Your boy with all the hashtag, or no, hashtag, quotes, traits, couldn't score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and the guy who had an over-under of .5 rushing yards put up 31 points. I don't hold two of you solely responsible. This seems to be an industry-wide oversight. My question, what's wrong with you guys? All right, that's, that's the next one now, too. All right, next one is from Chris Brown's fan, 090909. It is absolutely farcical, love that, longtime listener of the pod, that everyone is caking their pants about Mac Jones in the NFL. Mac Jones can't play. Did we learn nothing from A.J. McCarron? I hate the same, same helmet scouting. Please explain to me what you see in him that makes him a first-rounder or pro player in general. Bro, if you ask people around here in Cincinnati, they think A.J. McCarron is first ballot Hall of Famer. Still got it. Still uh, got it. This is, this is perfectly sums up draft. It really does. One person's like, why aren't you higher on Mac Jones? The other person thinks he should be fucking shot dead. For being too high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just say to the first guy, Tom Brady has a cannon compared to Mac Jones. Like the traits, just arm strength still matters. And Brady has, still has a very strong arm. He can't move much, but he has a cannon. Um, to the second guy, he's a much better player than Agent McCarron. Agent McCarron... I mean, just look at, I mean, purely statistically dominant comparatively. And obviously on the field, I think it's just more advanced passer coming out and what he does. So. I, I think the other point to make too, and I think Bucky Brooks brought this up, is that Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, these pocket passers that have done it so well, and everyone's like, that's the old quarterback. Those guys weren't good until later in their careers. Like They weren't like, you said, like not good until after their rookie contracts. Like, Mac Jones is going to come in. You're going to expect him to develop into Tom Brady or Peyton Manning over the next five to ten years? Well, okay. Not good as a stretch, but it's like they did not, they did not become those guys that you know like the, until – the absolute elite level quarterback play. It takes a while to develop that, even at the NFL level. That's a and it also takes a, a way longer thing. leash than the NFL is willing to give you these days. Yeah, and when you have the 
high-end physical tools, you are like your life is just easier at the next level. And like we're still high on Mac Jones. Don't get me wrong, but it's more because of the fact that he's going to be cheap for a while. Is why we're high on Mac yeah, Jones. Yeah, is that yeah. Like he, you, you think you can provide a, you a baseline of quarterback play at a cheap cost? That's why I would draft him in the first round. Uh, this is from WTF. How was that name taken? Who do you think the Panthers should take if they don't trade up? Whew. I think they're a sneaky fit for Sean Slater because, well, they're making on Cam Irvin and uh, Pat Elfline right now. So that's obviously a big change. And if they are uh, staying put, like the defensive talent, I don't love drafting that highly which is where I think they would go otherwise. I'm not sure they're going to be players in the wide receiver class with their wide receiving core. You're going, to, you're going to really go top 10 pick on your third wide receiver. Not sure. Cal Pitts. I've said that every team in the top 10, Cal Pitts. I also do love the Jeremiah Usakoromoa fit in that defense. Now, is that high? Yeah, it's high. But I just I love that fit. I also feel like I would hate the Panthers draft if they don't trade up. Because I just don't yeah. know how good they, they're, they, it's, they're. They're so hamstrung with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Yes. And as good as he could be, say he has a career year next year, I don't think they make it past the first round of the playoffs. Like That's that's your career year for Teddy B. Yeah. And as good as that offense is, and I, I really like what they've done on defense. They've added a lot of young talent that should develop. Jeremy Chin, Derek Brown, Ito Gross Matos. I still like Dante Jackson, even though he hasn't lived up some of the hype coming out of LSU. Still, you need to... Get a, you still need to add on def, on the defensive side of the ball. And regardless of whether you add Slater or Pitts offensively, Teddy B puts a ceiling way too close to the 20th overall pick, way closer to the 20th overall pick than it is the 32nd overall pick um, when he's under center for your football team. So I really hope they trade yeah, up or make a play for Deshaun Watson. I, I, I don't love them staying at seven. I'll just say that. Eight, I think. Eight. All I right. hate them staying at eight, actually. <laughs> I don't love them staying at seven. I hate them staying at eight. Yeah. This is from Meigs14. Do you worry about Lawrence's surgery in regards to his rookie year? Not really. And didn't your dad say it's not that big of a deal? Yeah. I trust your dad I trust a lot my of things. Too. Your dad We're has good taste in women, too. Okay, I agree. Uh, but, Jesus, why did I say that? Um, <laughs> you said I agree. That's my mom. <laughs> well, what? No, he's not going to call his mom ugly on that's the podcast. That's true. That's true. Quinn, what's your take? <laughs> I, I have never seen mom. your mom. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not in the light. I We're going to have... We're going to have to have... <laughs> On either him or Pro Football Doc to discuss these injuries. For these I can't guys. wait. And long term ramifications. That's not, I'm excited. We'll other one, he had another question. Meeks 14. Other one who in this wide receiver class is this year's Jalen Rager, who's a gross first round reach, and who's the, what the hell is this question? Who is a gross first round who reach? Who in this class is saying, this year's Jalen Rager? the wrong, wrong use of who's. Okay. Who in this class is this year's Jalen Rager? Who's a gross first round reach? And who's the Terry McLaurin who can be a superstar in round three? So he means who is the contraction instead of yeah that's brutal to see. Um, Rager, one not a gross first round reach by the PFF draft board. Jury's still out. Maybe he's a, maybe he's not as good as Justin Jefferson, but that doesn't make him a reach. Tutu Atwell would be a massive reach though. Someone drafted him the first. Yes, time. I don't know if he's going to. I, the guys who are now being consistently mocked in the first round, I don't hate any of them going there. Like Kadarius Tony is the one where I'm like I'm not sure you're getting the guy you're being sold you're getting like he could i could see a path to him not being living up to the hype in the nfl but even him it's like he does some very cool things with the football in his hand so i can't hate it too much superstar in round three i'm gonna say josh palmer if anyone does Ooh. because going back kind of through his profile 
similar similar things to Terry McLaurin. They're similar. One, he ran vertical tree. Not super diverse. He was the vertical guy in that Tennessee offense, but he didn't have a quarterback that could hit him. He didn't get featured. So his numbers stink. But you flip on the tape and he's there cooking Patrick Sertan sometimes. Like he's getting open. We're getting open against the 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 Georgia duo who are running four threes, four twos. Like he he has some juice to him and some explosiveness off the line of scrimmage. I thought he looked really good at the senior bowl, one of the top performers there by far, one of the highest graded guys there. He's probably not gonna go day one, day two, because he had what, five hundred receiving yards last year? Yeah. We're not he'll go, I think, third round. And he's not as loose as Terry McLaurin's route runner. I thought McLaurin was like a kind of all-around guy, but he has the size. He's 6'2". The explosives need off the line of scrimmage. I think he could be productive. Do you like Josh Palmer more or less than Brian Edwards last year? More. Do you like Josh Palmer more or less than Jawan Jennings? Ooh. You love Jawan Jennings. I do love Jawan Jennings. Until we found out But Jawan Jennings was a slot, and then the off-field stuff, I was like, okay, I'm out. But... After the off-field stuff, definitely Josh Palmer. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Evans one three nine. What do you think of J.C. Horn? I've heard he's good physical. I've heard he's a good physical press corner, but has speed and penalty concerns. Would love to hear you guys take. Yeah, I've heard correctly. I the penalty, <laughs> it's the penalty concerns, but also like the play style yeah. concerns, where it's he is going to have to overhaul the way he plays cornerback to absolutely not be called for penalties every single play in the NFL. And I'd rather have I'd rather try to reel a guy in than than make a guy more physical. Like I try to, I'd rather have that than I feed to Melifanwu, who's up at the line of scrimmage against a five foot ten guy that weighs 185 pounds and won't try to get his hands on him mm-hmm. when he's he fought to looks like his dad. He fought to. So I'd rather try to coach that out of a guy and like reel him in a little bit. But that's like a, still a pretty legit concern because you just like haven't seen him otherwise without it. So. Yeah. I was talking to someone recently about cornerback cornerback drafting, and I think it's, it's I think defensive backs overall. People will go into a draft, or fans will go into a draft, saying we need help at cornerback. Let's take the best cornerback available at ten or fifteen or wherever. It's like scheme is so important for drafting at the cornerback position. Like you're not going to take J.C. Horn if you're not running like a man heavy scheme and all that type of stuff. And yeah, if Fonwu, I do think Fitz can run multiple things. He's like athletic enough to do a lot of different things, but you probably want him playing a little bit more off zone in those stuff because yeah. I think he could get bullied at the line of scrimmage. Going against like Jamar Chase types, I mean, Ifatu Fonwu is going to be backing down a little bit. Great. All right, let's get to Steel City 07. Who's the lowest rated player that actually turned out to be the great player pro bowler? This is the answer every time. Deion Jones. Yeah. Linebacker, two fifty on the draft board. Woo. Yeah, I mean, and he didn't grade out well either. Like he just stripped flat out graded out poorly in college, but has played well in the NFL. Obviously, uh, we get shit on a lot for Josh Allen, but he was still only thirty fifth on our draft board. He wasn't that low on our board that year. Um, obviously, everyone was low on Dak Prescott, so Dak Prescott too. But fair enough. You know, like a lot. If day three guys, not a lot of guys are saying first round grades on day three guys that ended up turning out well. Maybe. Not a lot of guys had first rounders on A. Jackson. Rogers mustache. Why not my mustache? If the Packers make an aggressive move like trading a future first to move up, who would you think would be realistically worth it, assuming the pick is anywhere between like 10 and 17? Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Did you see that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are like close to hitting on a contract extension? Nice. No. Why did they draft Jordan Love? I'm confused. Don't ask me, dude. You, I'm confused. You don't like fucking like, like so I, I tweeted out. I tweeted out something about you know Chris Carson's now going to start over Rashad Penny for his entire rookie contract, and so multiple Seahawks fans tweeted it was the motivation factor. You drafted 
Penny to motivate Chris Carson to be a better player. And like that's the same argument people are making with Jordan Love for Aaron Rodgers. It's like if if that if we were working with that trivial of minds in the NFL, these are adult men. I can't get on board with that. I can't get on board with that take. I can't get on board with man, I'm not playing that well, but if they draft somebody in the first, dude, I might really turn it on. No, it's, that's it's great not a though thing. because that's everyone everyone uses like the other end of the spectrum when you're talking about drafting a first rounder for Sam Darnold. No, you don't want to ruin his confidence or you don't want to ruin Tua's confidence with another first rounder in there. You don't want to ruin his confidence. But pisses um, me off. Why did they do it? They thought I mean, why did they trade a starting safety for Deshaun Kaiser? Like they've been try they've been low-key trying to get that developmental guy for a minute here. And they they want they want the next Aaron Rodgers. That's what they want. They want to do that again. And I don't I don't Same. blame them for wanting that. It's a pipe dream though. Yeah. Like it's they, they misread how close they were to winning a Super Bowl, my opinion. Now, if they're trading up here in this draft, I think Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And I think they'll fall to the to at least the low teens. That's two guys I think could come in and do something different for your team and be worthwhile that that leap you're gonna have to take up there. It's gonna cost a lot, obviously. But if not them, maybe like Patrick Sutan, but that's about it for that team. All righty. This is from two for one drafts fan. This guy made an app account for us. Oh, love to see that. Who graded better than between Colt McCoy and Sam? Holy shit. He'd made an account for this question. <laughs> <laughs> who graded better than Colt? Who graded better between Colt McCoy and Sam Ellinger? And is it fair to say Ellinger's ceiling is the same as McCoy's a career backup? Yeah, that's that's fair to say. Um, so we didn't grade Colt McCoy. That's before our time. We started in 2014. That was the Winston Mariota season. I, I think, honestly, though, McCoy is probably still a higher ceiling. Ellinger has not nearly as accurate as McCoy. Is not is going to struggle with pocket presence in the NFL, and like I don't see him. He may not even be like a career backup. That might get, he just might be out of the league in a couple of years. Do you think he could take on a Taysom Hill type of role? I mean, or like a Trace McSorley type of thing? He he is athletic. I don't think he's that athletic. Though. I don't know. Is your ceiling in the NFL a career backup? I would have been if I if my high school had had a football program, we could have talked about. It. I would have I would have, I was Jared Everdares for Jared Everdares. Nice. What a time to be alive is this guy's name. I'm a diehard Patriots fan. What do you think about pass rush, or perhaps just trade down to the end of the first? So I think this was before free agency. They obviously added Matthew Judon, re-signed Dietrich Wise. I do think that doesn't solve their pass rush issues. I think they can get better. I like Chase Winovich. I like um, Josh Uche. Do you think they address pass rush in the first, or how do you think no, they go? Yeah, I, I doubt they do. They've never relied yeah. on their pass rush. They've never... Even when they had Chandler Jones, they really didn't like deploy him as a pass rusher. They, they don't really... That is not how they win defensively. I think Bill Belichick knows that. Win with stunts and games and those yeah. things. Yeah. And then blitzes. Yeah. And so they're... They're fine. Like with the, what they got there, they're I think they're a okay. They're going to roll in and be very happy with what they have along the defensive line. Maybe they could go interior, maybe address there would be the only place I could see. It's it's a weak class though, so not one hundred percent on that. Maybe if they did, maybe just like a fat boy in the middle there for them. Shelvin the third, Bobby Shelvin, Brown, Bobby Brown, uh, NC State guy. Oh, Ali McNeil, Ali McNeil. There we go. One of those, but. I think they'll go 
I think they could go secondary, honestly. I think they should go QB, man. I've said it or multiple times. QB. I think go yeah, up and if, go if get they Lance. Don't get a, if they don't go up and get a quarterback, I think go secondary. Go up and get Lance. All right, this is from Richard, no, Rich Cotty. Eagles fan, who are some good mid-round two to four targets slash system fits for the Eagles on defense, specifically in the back seven, off-ball linebacker, cornerback, safety? So Jonathan Gannon, I think we've said this before, he's learned from both, or been under both Matt Eberflus and... Indianapolis, who is my Rod Marinelli tree, and Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, who's, you know, Mike Zimmer tree. Um, but he, he, you would think probably is going to bring over Eberflus's defense there, which was like, they have a type, athletic guys, let them make plays, not necessarily, you know, instincts, the eye part of the STI, eh. You can get by. You can get by off without him. So, linebacker Jameen Davis. We've talked about that's kind of what he did in college. Was they were spot dropping and letting him just play fast. That's would be perfect there. Cornerback uh, Tyson Campbell, Georgia, ridiculously good athlete. Doesn't have the best feel for the position quite yet. Not not quite a developed prospect. And then safety Tyree Gillespie from Missouri. Very good athlete. Big, good tackler. They don't really ask their safeties to be playmakers per se, more solid. And that's what Tyree Gillespie is. There you have it, those three. From Stevie398, who do you think the Raiders draft with a second round grade in the first round this year? Dude, I'm telling you, I think this one's Nick Bolton. Like the, Nick Bolton ticks a lot of the boxes that could be in play for the Raiders here. They don't care about arm length. Tiny arms, T-Rex Bolton. What do you think about Jalen Mayfield? I could see Jalen Mayfield. Because I think they might glass eater. Yeah, I think they might lock into tackle. Yeah, kind of like when they Colton Miller. Yeah, which ended up being the best pick the past four years. I think they could lock into tackle and maybe not take the like the obvious who everyone would take, like maybe say Tevin Jenkins at seventeen or something, or Darisaw at seventeen. And they end up taking like Jalen Mayfield or Elijah Vera Tucker, who like I, I don't think would be a significant reach at that spot, but still like not taking. Yeah. An offensive tackle. I still think they should trade down. I think this offensive line class and where they're picking, well, if they want to address the offensive line, they should trade down and grab multiple. You think that? They just gave now will they? They just gave Andre James eight million dollars on a base level contract. Do you see that? Yeah. The the center that they're obviously obviously really big fans of. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. He has not played a lot in the NFL, but must be damn good in practice. All right. This is from JCMGLM142. Huge Patriots fan and been watching film on some of the mid to late round receivers and three of them caught my attention. Could you please tell me what you guys think of Diami Brown, Anthony Schwartz, and Watt Fillier? Discuss Brown off the rip. He's mm-hmm. a dude. Schwartz looks like a track star that just got dropped on a football field. No semblance of ball skills, route running ability. He is just raw as can be, but he runs a 4-3. And he could fucking scoot. And it shows on tape. And he, you get the ball in his hand in an end around, he might be taken to the house and he might not touch him. But that has limited value in the NFL. It's still like, how many guys like that have really developed into NFL receivers? I, I'll just ask that question. It's, it's more of a skill position that people let on. I mean, yeah. the speed is taken over and a lot of teams have overdrafted for speed. But like, and you don't got to tell Mike Quinn or John Rostat. Yeah. I mean, like, 
you people, teams have overdrafted for speed for a very long time. It's a more skilled technical position than people give credit for. And I think that's why when you look at Nate Tice, who is doing the wide receiver rankings for Bleacher Report, something that he commented on or makes a lot a, a big effort for is that who are the actually good receivers? Like throw athleticism, throw traits out the window. Who are the actually good receivers? And let's start there. And that's why Rashad Bateman ranks as high as he does for him. I, I, I really do think that um, it needs to be yeah. brought up more that like this is a technique-driven position more than it is just like he can fly. And before everyone says, oh, Tyreek Hill, what, what, what did he do in college? He was a running back in college. Like he he was not a you know, polished wide receiver because he never played wide receiver. Yeah. He, the dude played running back, and he was about as electric with the ball in his hands as you could possibly be like in terms of just agility, speed. Schwartz is not agile. is not nearly as strong. Like Tyreek Hill is a rock at his size. So not everyone's Tyreek Hill. Just that's what I'm trying to say. And then Wap Fillior, I was so underwhelmed by his tape, man. Like he's because he, he's as an athlete, I think he's like has speed. He's a tough dude. Like he takes hits over the middle of the field, but he is undersized. He is a slot only. And then as a slot route runner, like I think we said this before, you better be a damn good route runner to consistently get open from the slot. Is it? It is a. You got to be on point. Every single time, and he was just kind of a lackadaisical route runner, not really just very average in that regard. And that's not average route runner from the slot. You're just not going to get you're not going to get targets. Like you're, you're not going to see the field in the NFL. I did Wap Fillier's background for the draft guide recently. His name is Wap, or his nickname is Wap. I don't know his first name. I think it's Mister something. I think his name is actually Mister, but his name is Wap. That sounds right. As a kid, his parents said he liked Wap Whoppers. Yeah, it's that simple. I didn't think it was going to be that simple, but I love that. That's freaking awesome. Uh, all right, this is from best no bat gem bat gem ever. He was close. It's an average regular season foot. It's an average regular season football Sunday. Oh, he's putting us in a scene. Yeah. You can only follow four Twitter accounts. You each follow the same for the whole day. Which four accounts do you choose? Uh, I, I I don't really go on Twitter during Sundays. I don't like it. It's a cesspool. People just tweet out. That's because you wow. like to drink on Sundays. Okay. That too. And I don't like to tweet <laughs> when I drink. It gets bad. Uh, but maybe NFL, maybe PFF Mike, maybe PFT Commenter, and then Sean Payton for the occasional troll tweet he'll have after a game. I think those are solid. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if Sean Payton's in my top four. I, mean, Mike's I, don't, I don't. Four. I can't. If I'm not following anyone else and I'm, if I'm going to miss a Sean Payton, like trolling, retweeting Roddy White, I'm going to, I'm going to hate myself. So yeah. there's not anyone else where I, if they tweeted something, I'd probably hate myself for not getting to. I think I follow PFF, PFF Mike, NFL, maybe the check down. So I don't know what I'm doing on this average regular season Sunday. Am I watching the games? Am I watching red zone? Am I out tailgating? It's hard to say. Cause I'm going to need See, the I'd highlights. Be out tailgating. Yeah. So you need the highlights. You need yeah. the NFL. You need to check down that stuff. Cool. All right. This is from uncle.blaze. My dad, do you see GB grabbing GB? Do you see green Bay grabbing a corner like JC Horn, Asante Samuel Jr. To help Jair and our secondary. That's his question. I like how you wrote JC Horn. Like it's, he JC finished it with a period that. too. That's why my, like my reading yeah. of that was trash. Um, I, I said, I think I've come around. Did I say this? Maybe I didn't No. I think I've come around and not being a wide receiver. I've mentally accepted they're not they're going to roll in with fucking Alan Lazard and MVS again, and I'm just going to have my heart broken at the end of April. But I've already broken it. They're like it's already gone. I've gotten over the mental anguish of that being the case. So, what are the positions then? Do does Green Bay covet then? Because they go line of scrimmage a lot, D line, edge. 
I think they'll get roasted if they go edge again with three edge rushers already until defensive tackle, the value's not going to be there. So I think that leaves offensive tackle or cornerback because they really don't draft interior offensive linemen. They draft tackles and then have them play interior offensive line if they want there. So I think offensive tackle or cornerback is where they ultimately go. So I could see corner. Like I said, I don't think J.C. Horn's the great scheme fit. I think Asante Samuel Jr. is, but they have the height. They've, they've been kind of a height cutoff team or a length cutoff team. Santi Samuel, maybe not in the first round. I think he had, what, 30 and a quarter inch arms? Yeah. You hate to see length cutoffs. In 2021, I know it's tough. Um, Size queens. Rondell Moore is running his pro day right now, so I'm going to interrupt real quick. 42 and a half inch vert for Rondell Moore so far. I'll let you know if I see a 40 come across my timeline. This is from Will I want to see a dunk video. I want to see what he he can throw down. He could definitely throw down. It could be Jim Leonard-esque. That's true. Will Dog, 37. Which quarterback would could surprise next year and have a Burrow slash Wilson like rapid rise up draft boards? Oh, I like this question. Do you? I hate this question because really? I got it a thousand times before this past year. Never once said Zach Wilson. My bad. Um, it's 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 tough to do. What about Keaton Slovis? Yeah, the number one pick rate, Keaton Slovis. I'll say Matt Corral, the uh, Ole Miss Ole Miss QB. He's like he graded good. kind of well last year. Yeah, he graded well. He kind of like limited his first year as starter. Um, obviously playing in the SEC. Get playing it. with Lane Kiffin, too. I love yeah. Lane Kiffin. You, you, And this is a Raiders yeah, I was at the fucking games when Lane Kiffin was the head coach of the Raiders, where Lane Kiffin had a very college approach to motivation and stuff, where before games, he'd have the entire team crowd around him. The entire, all 53 players, or whoever, 46, I think, are active on game day. All around him, and he'd have a speech, and then they'd go, and they'd break, and, they'd, and then all that stuff. And I remember Lane Kiffin was trying to convince Al Davis to take Calvin Johnson over Jamarcus Russell. I thought Lane Kiffin did a really good job before going to Las, uh, Oakland Raiders um, with Amari Cooper and all that. I mean, dude, I really do feel like Lane Kiffin got shat on for for all the wrong reasons. I'm a Kiffin fan. I'm a big Kiffin fan. This he also has a very good Twitter. He might be in yeah. my top four on college football Saturdays. Yeah. He's not going to tweet on Saturdays. Fuck me. If you knew ahead of the time that a running back prospect would be as dominant as AD in his prime, how high would you draft him? Can I start? Yes. So when I said this originally, I think a lot of people... No, I said I'd take him at 33, so that way I can get the fifth-year option for more valuable positions, etc. However, in this hypothetical scenario where it's fairy tale unicorn shit, let's pretend that you can get any position in its prime. You know, your your prime outside corner, your prime offensive tackle, all those things. I think I'm taking every other position, even slot corner in these things, before I'm taking a running back in his prime. I'd rather have two outside corners. I'd rather have a slot corner. Two safeties, I think I would take a lot of those other positions before I take um, Adrian Peterson in his prime. If I'm getting prime at those positions. I agree. And I said, so if you knew you were going to get Adrian Peterson's career, that's worth a first-round pick. Yeah. You don't know you're getting his career, though, going into the draft is Mm -hmm. the other kind of part of that. Like, it's still— Like, if you put—if you said in this 2021 draft class, Adrian Peterson, you know he's going to be fucking Adrian Peterson, you probably draft him, like, top five. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe just after Trevor Lawrence, because you don't know what else these guys exactly. are going to do. It's like the unknown is still a big thing, but you still don't know for running backs. I will say, though, the vaunted 2012 season that he carried them to the playoffs, they were 14th in points per game that year. <laughs> they were 13th in points per drive. The 2020 Vikings had a better EPA per run than the 2012 Vikings. To tweet that. That's kind of a fun like, tweet you're still so dependent on a lot of different other factors and it still only gets you to 13 points per game. Like you still have to have that passing game. Like you still have to have the quarterback. You still have to have the wide receivers. And once you have that, 
it behooves you not to run the ball yeah. because that's the floor. That's like that's all it gives you at that point. So I do think it's an interesting question. Like when you're trying, if you can draft in a pool of prime players, where do you take a running back like Adrian Peterson or Ladainian Thompson or whatever? And I, I again, I might have my swing tackle. I might take a yeah. swing tackle, depth tackle before I take that running back because yeah. that's what matters. You know, those those positions matter more. Yeah, it still blows my mind that people like will listen to us shit on running backs and get upset. It's like, you you tune, you know where you came at this point. Yeah, you know? that's true. If you if don't like it. How much of that do you think it is because the running back position is so fun to watch, though? I think that's a big part of it. Like people fan, love, fantasy is a big yeah, part Fantasy is a big part of it, and people love watching running backs. It's a very simple position to understand. It's like, oh, my yeah. God, I know that guy's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Simple. There's simple stats for it. All that stuff. You yeah. Just you just rip a salt mid and <laughs> you're just ripping smelling salts over there. All right. This is from C Money Sign Myth. So I think it's C Smith with the money sign for the S. Hmm. I'm curious who you guys think will be this year's Legarius Sneed or a steal of this year's draft. The next one's about Legarius Sneed to us. Okay. So it's, this is from K Nutty 18. Who is this year's Legarius Sneed? Basically, who is the day three prospect who, on the right team slash system, could have a significant role and impact? Two guys who have similar profiles that I will put a pin and say them, if I had to guess. Tay Gowan, we talked about before, long, fast, but then didn't play in 2020. And that was kind of like Legereus Sneed. We hadn't seen him play in a year at the position that he's going to play in the NFL. Similar with Trill Williams. He played slot cornerback, even though he's 6'1 with long arms and runs a 4'3". Like, that's not where a slot, that's not a skill set of a slot cornerback. That's like Legere Sneed kind of playing slot corner this year. We keep saying he's going to be better at outside cornerback. He was better at outside cornerback at the beginning of the year when he played there for the Chiefs. So, those two guys, not going to be day one, day two picks. Day three, that's the sort of skill set you're going to want at that point in day three is the guy who has all the tools, who has played well, but there are things about their profile that will scare you from drafting him day one, day two. If you haven't listened to the Tay Gowan episode on two foreign drafts, it's incredible. He opens yeah. up about why he opted out and having he he had COVID, gave it to his mom, had a premature daughter, all in like the same time before that season. He has an insane backstory. He's been through a lot of shit, uh, and he's obviously super successful in 2019. Had didn't have that opportunity in 2020 to really put it on. So Tay Gowan, I like him as a sleeper. Other thing here, Rondell Moore's pro day numbers keep strolling in. He may, measured. I don't know if this is that surprising to you, but five foot seven. Oh. That's tiny. That is tiny. Yeah. That's like Clyde Edwards Hilaire size. That's not going in the first round. Although Clyde Edwards Hilaire went in the first round. So Clyde Edwards Hilaire was like 5'8. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I thought he was going to be 5'8. I thought he was going to be like 5'9. Five, 5'7 nine. Five, nine. Five, is undersized. That is small. All right. This is from Cam Doug06. What do you think will be a good fit for Sean Wade? Is he a safety or a slot? And also thoughts on Baron Browning and Trey Sermon regarding later landing spots. Yeah, I think Sean Wade's a safety. I just don't think he's quite the agile slot athlete that you usually see. I think his physicality, his ability to tackle, be better almost more in, in the middle of the field. Like I think he's a safety. I think that's his best. Now, obviously, he never played there, but I think that's his best role in the NFL. Baron Browning, ridiculously good athlete. Like Size, speed, kind of has it all. That's why he was a five-star coming out, just does not have the feel for the linebacker position. I thought he was at his best when he was actually rushing the passer off the edge. I, th I think that might be where he ends up getting coveted for is that ability in a defense. And then Trey Sermon, we talked about kind of on the Monday pod about the running back position. A lot of things to like about his game. 
just not a super explosive athlete, not a great athlete for the position. You're kind of you're not chasing super high end with him, but I think he's a competent NFL starting running back from day one. All right, this is from Tanner J. Pittman. Do you think it's possible for my Dolphins to get Sewell at the third pick, Zayvon Collins at 18, and then Bateman in the second? If possible, is that the ideal draft, assuming Tua is the guy? How would those players fit in the scheme floors and co ones run? I'd swap Collins and Bateman to make sure I got Bateman. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think you're getting Bateman in the second at where they pick. I just, I could see him falling out of the first, but think about the guys who went early day two last year, like Michael Pittman. Bateman's a better prospect than Michael Pittman. Younger, more productive, similar sort of skill set. I would, it would floor me to see him fall all the way to the middle of round two. Damon Collins is a perfect fit for that defense. And we've talked about the guys who are, you know, have perfect fits. So the guys with unique skill sets. And I was going through his linebacker class. I think this linebacker class is going to be drafted higher than people think because Jeremiah Wusukarmo is a unique skill set. You know, that doesn't last long in the NFL draft. When a guy has that, you know, like the Kyle Pitts is a unique skill set. I don't think that's going to last long. Like you can't find those guys other years. Yeah. So when you have it, you want that, you got to go get it. So I do think that Collins will go earlier than expected. Jeremiah was going to go earlier than expected in this year's draft. All right, from Bryce Duke, my question for the mailbag. As a Lions fan, do you think there is a world where the Lions take Kyle Pitts with the seventh pick? Like when July and Tavai had that unique skill set and went 40th overall. Very similar. Um, this is the Lions question. Sorry. But the, the, is there a world? There's not this world. I'd like to live in that world, but it's not going to be this. They, they drafted... They are the reason why you don't draft tight end in the first round. Brian they, 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 <laughs> uh, Pettigrew, Ebron, Hawkinson, zero. Like, just nil impact. Those Hawkinson went to the Pro Bowl. Okay. Their head coach is also a tight end. Head coach is a tight end. Which, he Was might not like Pitts because he doesn't block well enough. That's true. He might draft Fryermuth. No, he might take uh, <laughs> Tremble at fucking seven. <laughs> but... I just don't see it happening. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think... Uh, yeah. I mean, I doubt they do that. What, what, what is a good fit for them at seven? We haven't talked a ton about that seventh pick because they're obviously tanking and... Jamar Chase is a good fit for them yeah. at seven. Wide yeah. receiver. They do need a wide receiver. They Their wide, wide receiver room right now is bad. Yes. Real bad. I think Quintus Cephas is supposed to start. Tyrell Williams, who obviously didn't play last year. That is going to be an interesting wide receiver. Geronimo Allison, I think, might start for them. It's not, oh. it's not a good look for them. TJ Hawkinson might have, wet, you know, he might have 100 targets for 600 yards. Yeah. Danny.216, which quarterback draft class in the last five years would be more successful in the NFL? Will it be the 2018 class with Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, and Jackson? And Rosen, he didn't mention Rosen, but Rosen's there. Will it be the 2021 quarterback Still class believe. with Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and Lance? Lawrence. Rosen's still on roster. That's a success. Is he really? Oh, he's in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be the 2021 quarterback class. Come back in five years. Set a, set a reminder. Wait. And then we'll leave another five-star review, and we'll answer the question then. <laughs> uh, this is, <laughs> but has- no, it's, this class is rare. It is insanely physically talented, not only, but also they've performed very well on the foot. Like, it's got that nice little crossover that we lo- love to see at the quarterback position. That's why we're all in on this quarterback class. There is video of a five foot seven Rondo Moore doing a forty two and a half inch vertical, and it looks fake. Does he jump over? That's almost like himself. Yeah, get up to that is insane. He looks like he is flying. Yeah. All right, go look that up. Quinn's not going to put it in the video. 
All right. In most mock drafts, I'm seeing the Browns. I'm seeing the Browns are being mocked someone on the defensive side of the ball. Who's the best fit for the Browns at edge and linebacker, in your opinion? This is assuming the top safety, Morig, and top three corners, Farley, Sertan, and Horn, have been selected. I'm of the opinion they should take edge. I think they should pair someone up with Miles Garrett, attack positional value. There are like five, six edge guys that should slash could go in the first round. I think at that spot, I'd rather have one of the edge guys than JOK. I'd like Aziz Ojolari there. That's nice. about pairing the... Ooh. Pairing the bull rusher with the edge bender. I like that. Be fun. And then as he is going against right tackles, you got Miles Garrett. He can he can crush left tackles all day. And now they moved him over. They moved him around a bit more last year than they had earlier in his career. But I think that fit of if you just get as he is going around your slow ass right tackles all day long could be fun. So that one, I also say Jason Oway. I like the fit there. Just two freak athletes. Just kind of like kind of like what Washington is building, where it's just like those guys are just monsters like yeah. those guys just can do whatever so that too i think the washington football team defensive line needs a nickname in 2021 they are scary man monsters or something capital the nation's capital workshop it workshop okay it. there's something about the nation's capital i like that the line of defense the first line uh Def- what's the what's the secretary of defense what's the president's name in the secret in service the, in the the army. Yeah, the something to do with that. The, okay. We keep thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, well, that was not great. Yeah. All right. This is from JSP underscore 20. With winning Super Bowls being nearly impossible without a Hall of Fame quarterback or a quarterback on a cheap contract, should teams draft a quarterback in the top five and at the end of his rookie deal trade him to a QB needy team with a top five pick for the top five pick and hopefully some more draft capital and then draft one of the top QB options? This guy's going into the weeds. I love it. The tinfoil hat is on. With constant quarterback costs being low, the talent around him should be very good, inflating slash making him look better and increasing trade value while also accumulating a lot of extra draft picks an example of this could be for the browns and baker mayfield trading him to the jets for their top two pick and potentially a second or third rounder and then using that second overall pick to draft wilson or fields it's a long question yeah it's pretty much never never pay a quarterback always have one on a rookie contract so your team's always good and if they look good flip them immediately to try to get the more picks to then keep cheap and get another guy who you can make look good interesting strategy one, quarterbacks don't come out every year, though. Like, there are classes that stink. The And you're not always, unless you draft number one, like, there's not always, like, multiple options that are going to be good. Very true. The, the Kyler Murray year. Got Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. That's your two, three, Drew Locke. I'm not sure how much lipstick you can put on those picks to make them look good. I'll try. 2013, <laughs> what was it? Gino, EJ, butt cheeks. Like, there are years it doesn't, it doesn't hit always. So that's kind of, it's... You got you to pick and choose your spots. I thought the Falcons were in a great spot to do that, though, this year. This exact sort of thing where you can get – someone will be desperate enough. The Bears would have thrown you some capital for Matt Ryan right now. They probably would have thrown you like three ones with where that roster is. They're taking on so much dead cap. Yeah, I know. But like then you – but then you're cheap. Like that. then after that, mm-hmm. you are in a cheap spot with number four overall pick with wh- whichever quarterback you draft, Trey Lance. I don't know who it is. To then – Three years from now, have a complete roster reset. Then you're the Patriots going ham and free agency because you have no, uh, you have all young players, you have no cap commitments that you're all of a sudden like balling up storm. But now you're kind of just like in this no man's land where you have to really hit on these picks that you're going to get in this draft, or else you're still going to be a team that's picking towards the top of the first round. So I, I do think if you are in dire straits in the rest of your roster, it's not a bad, it's not a bad scenario. All right, moving off of the Fal- or the, that whole 
spiel there. Big kahuna. A pick I don't think enough people are talking about is Kadarius Tony to the 49ers. That would be such an explosive addition to their offense, and the reach would be similar to Brandon Ayuk last year. Do you think they'd go for him, or would they feel like they need to trade down? Kadarius Tony at 12, I don't love. That's their type of wide receiver. Like I, I can see them liking Kadarius Tony. I don't think they would use a first rounder on a wide receiver with two other wide receivers. They still love their fullback tight end stuff there. Would that be 12 person? No, two, 21 personnel. Excuse me. Info purist. Don't get at me. They still love to do that. And so you're as soon as you have a guy who won't be able to see the field more than you know, 50% of your snaps, you're not really getting your value for the 12th overall pick. That's for sure. So I don't think they would do it that. If maybe he's sitting there in the second round, they're like, oh, shit, we like love this guy. Because again, he does fit what they like. You can use him even as like a running back. He did some of that at Florida as well. I think they could pull the trigger then, but it wouldn't be at 12. What about Rondell Moore to them in the second? <laughs> that would be sick. Use him as a running back. I mean, honestly, why not? Yes. Five foot seven? Fuck. Okay, now you got me thinking now. You want to hang out after this? All right, let's With go. Rondale, yeah. <laughs> APZ115. It would be great to get your guys' take when comparing this year's draft class to last year's and next year. So, for example, how would, you pos- how would your positional tiers look if the 2020 class and 2022 class? I don't know if he means that. Where, uh, yeah, he was eligible. saying this year's next year's. Oh, okay. Uh, we're, eligible, we're eligible to be drafted this April, including knowing how the rookies performed this year. Interesting. It could bring up some really interesting discussion. I agree. <laughs> how far did Tua slide? Are Herbert and Lawrence in their tier by themselves? Is Kyle Pitts even more of a standout due to the lack of elite tier tight ends coming out last year? He just keeps going on and on. Give me, your, give me some takes from this. Yeah, so I think Tua goes behind all the... So, one, 2022, I don't know anything. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know anything besides really the top guys. I just, you don't get to watch. I, there's only so much time in the day. And people don't get... Really, most people don't give a shit about 2022 right now. I will start after the draft. Then I'll have a good 2022 mock going after the draft. After I scroll through some of the big dogs. But... So, 2020 versus this class. Tua goes behind the top group in this class. Tua is... So, the top group being the the big four in our eyes of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Yeah, maybe he's probably like in the, it's Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and he's probably like in the tier about with Trey Lance there. That's how far Tua would slide. Uh, Kyle Pitts, yeah, he's even more of a standout. He's, that's why we're saying, you, there's not a Kyle Pitts in every class. There might not be one for a while. He's different, special dude. So, no, there's not a Kyle Pitts in any class. Learning 2022 class who are like, Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase were this year, who are early. So my blue chip guys that I've seen in 2022, Kayvon Thibodeau, Morgan, pooped on Elijah Vera Tucker. Just pushed his shit in. He's awesome. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame safety, electric. He is Isaiah Simmons, but actually a safety. Derek Stingley Jr., obviously LSU cornerback, highest grade cornerback in the country, is true freshman. Ran 4-3 coming out of high school. Six foot two. It's a lot to like. Tyler Lindebaum, the Iowa center. I love Tyler Lindebaum's tape. He's going to be a dude. Now he's a center. Hard to convince me. There's a lot of blue chip centers draft highly. He might be able to convince me. Freak athlete. Love that guy. And then Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State wide receiver. Wide receiver one heading into 2021 to 2021 season. He's he's better than your boy. Olave? Olave. But they're one and two right now, right? They are one and two, yeah. Wilson Olave are both pretty freaking sick. Uh, It's being reported now that Rondell Moore's height was not 5077. It was 5070. (gasps) 
It is five foot seven oh. flat. Jim Nagy tweeting out that teams will likely see him more as a sub downs running back. And I mean, I'm not saying he's completely. I'm not saying that that's a little bit aggressive in terms of. I still think I want to see him play wide receiver first. But like, if it doesn't work early, you know, like trying to. I, I don't know. That we're live reporting a pro day right now. I mean, this is kind of significant. We're podcast. big Rondell Moore fans. We're higher on Rondell Moore than a lot yeah. of people. That is very small. What were his arms? I haven't seen yet. I'll let you know. This is from CC Hit 13. As a Louisville fan, Quinn, big Louisville fan as well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Senior Bowl OPOG, Des Fitzpatrick. Oh, offense player of the game? Senior Bowl offense player of the game, Des Fitzpatrick. I will say that Trey Brown, who I talked to recently in his interview we played on a future podcast, was a big fan of Des Fitzpatrick's game. He said he was a tough get in the one-on-ones, as I haven't heard you mention him yet. From a fan perspective, he seemed to have great rapport with Lamar as a freshman, but he largely disappeared until his senior year. How much do you put that on him versus the questionable quarterback play? He's not that. He's kind of just a guy, man. I, 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 did, not, I did not come away impressed. I know he got the OPOG. But during the week of practices, the one-on-ones was far more telling in my eyes. Second lowest graded wide receiver in the one-on-ones. Ben Skoranek had a higher grade in the one-on-ones than him. That's just, you were... That guy was bad. <laughs> He's like, if I'm not high on a Notre Dame guy, that, that should tell you all you need to know about that Notre Dame guy. So, uh He's just not super sudden as a wide receiver. He's big. He's got some size, but I don't think he's going to be a separator at the next level. If you're not a separator, not going to be high on you. His brother's good. His brother's going to be good. He's like a four-star, five-star. There you go. Just hold out for his brother then. All right. Moving on here. Sorry, I had to freaking... say, you're sending fucking emails over I'm there? I'm sending emails. you cranking out your keyboard as if it's... <laughs> this is from Mick Saquon. We're not doing a podcast. You, you keep having things as if we're not on a podcast right now. You're making hand gestures. You're sending out emails. There's nothing wrong with my hand gestures, Mike. I don't know where your head's at. All right, this is from Mick Saquon. As a Ravens fan, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about Des Patrick. Oh, it's the same, same guy. I think pairing Lamar up with one of his former collegiate wide receivers would be mad hype. Can you all provide the best possible sequence of draft moves that lead the Ravens securing Destin's Patrick? Wow. And also thoughts on Javion Hawkins. I really like Javion Hawkins. I like Javion Hawkins more than I like Destin's Patrick. I know Ballard doesn't traditionally do things that PFF would recommend, but I always appreciate the consistently high draft gates at the end of the season. All that being said, would you recommend? who would you recommend for the Colts? I think any any Darisaw, Pay, Rousseau, Bateman, Horn would be excellent for the Colts, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Keep up the great work, gentlemen. Yeah, I, I think they are. Now, I, I still believe they address somewhere in free agency. There's tackles available, and there are edge rushers available. They're going to sign somebody. They have to, right? I, I think at some point they have so much cap space, they're going to be players at some point. So kind of whichever one they don't address. But I do think with what they like, length on defense, Gregory Rousseau, and longest defensive end in the draft, I think. The dude is a, has a ridiculous build. Or they like offensive tackle, they are not as much, or offensive line, they're not as much that trait sort of base. They are seemingly performance-based from what they've done. Offensive line scouting, I think that could be guys like, obviously if Christian Derrissar falls there, I'd love that, but I don't think he will. Dylan Radins, North Coast State, I could see them being players in him. Sam Cosby from Texas, I could see them being players in him. Yeah. And did you want to touch on how the Ravens, what do the Ravens need to do to secure Des Fitzpatrick? Uh... I mean, probably dial have his number already after the draft for brutal. That was rude. That was rude. That was that rude. was rude. He'll get drafted. Yeah, fuck, he's good. <laughs> All right, moving forward here. This is from H D I Z H E D 
H E D J S H D D G D. It's my dad's name. If Micah Parsons falls to number nine and the Denver Broncos take him over McFarley, who are some of the fits in the second and third round they could target to invest in our secondary? So they kind of filled out that cornerback group. I don't think they're going to go cornerback after adding Kyle Fuller. Great move, by the way. Safety, though, they they part ways with Kareem Jackson. Still might bring him back. Whatever. Vic Fangio scheme, smart safeties, split field guys, Richie Grant, UCF, penciled in the second round. If he's there, I think they would take him. Dude, that, that, is, that is their type of safety. Yeah. That is his Vic Fangio's type of safety. Richie Grant with what he does, uh, I think would be an excellent fit for that defense. Richie Grant was also a fantastic interview. Have to add. Super smart guy. Yeah. Loved him. All right. I'm going to jump to two questions a little bit further down that you haven't prepped, but I feel like you're ready for. This is from Josh78. I've been watching Mac Jones, and I was wondering what made Tua a better prospect. Mac Jones? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I said Josh Jones for some reason. I was like, I'm just out of it myself. Uh, what makes Tua a better prospect? I think it's the, it's the trick. Like, he is, one, much better runner. He can... He could make stuff happen outside the pocket. Could even be used in their running game. Like he did that at Alabama, was utilized in the running game. There's no, there's no read option that's going to work with Mac Jones. People are not going to respect it. It's going to be back like when Nick Foles was operating the Eagles offense and they started running that stuff and Nick Foles was sliding at the line of scrimmage every play he, that he kept it. So that, I, I think he has a str- little bit of a stronger arm. Now that one's fairly close. And I just think he was a, Younger guy coming out. He was the one who started over Mac Jones. Like he had still, you thought he could have his best football being ahead of him only three years in college. So a lot of those things added up to us being higher on Tua. Another Mac Jones question. If Mac Jones goes early inside the top 10 or top 15, could that situation allow for Kyle Trask to sneak into the back end of round one? I just think that there's that, there's a bigger second tier this year of guys that you don't have to reach on a, a Kyle Trask. You, like, you don't have to get a one in the first round. You can get Davis Mills, you can get Kellen Mons, you can get Kyle Trask somewhere in day two. That you don't, like, a, you can get a developmental guy. There's not just, like, one developmental guy. So I don't think that ends up happening at the back end of round one. I'm going to keep peppering you because I know you're ready for these. This is from Enrique Shockwave 2277. Was wondering what your early thoughts on Matt Corral were and where he fits in the 2022 quarterback class if he opts to come out i know you talked about him early in the podcast yeah i was impressed with what i saw i was i was kind of pissed at the beginning of the season when he started over uh my boy there i know who you're talking about name? uh reese plum reese plum john reese yeah, yeah yeah who's just an electric oh he was so much fun, fun to, watch. to watch so hashtag fun to watch just he needs to transfer somewhere where they're gonna let him cook because that guy is a freak legitimate i mean he's like a four four type of quarterback which are always fun to watch but I thought he was got one got better as the season went along, Corral, and one or two was had some excellent deep balls down the stretch, and so not in the tier of uh, I wouldn't you know not a first rounder right now, but like I said, he was the guy I tabbed just a little bit early on here. That was you know that guy makes a leap. She could, he could be the Zach Wilson, Joe Burrow. That class. Another one, Reggie Bonifon Stan. We got a lot of Louisville. Wasn't Reggie Bonifon a Louisville guy? Got a lot of Louisville fans. He was. He uh, actually played quarterback when they went up there and beat Notre Dame at Uh-oh. Notre Dame. You don't remember that, Mike? Son of a bitch. <laughs> if you had to rate the top quarterback prospects arm strength on a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being a punter and 10 being Brett Favre, where would they fall? Ooh, okay. So Lance is not Brett Favre, but he's close. Nine? I'm not going to do decimals. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence then is not quite Trey Lance, but it's close. 
I think he would be an eight. Zach Wilson, an eight. Justin Fields, seven, eight. He's close. Like he's he's right up there. I guess I'll do a decimal there. I'll do seven point eight. He's seven point eight, not point five. No, seven point eight. Love it. Point five be amateur, and then Mac Jones probably like a four. Really, that that much of a gap? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, I mean, look, that speaks to a lot of what why. the rankings are. I yeah. mean, I think that was like it is below average in the NFL. He will be he'll have below average arm in the NFL. And a lot of people push back on that, but it's like go think about the thirty-two starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and then think about his arm. Like Drew Brees was a one, and he last got by. Year. Yeah, last year Drew Brees was yeah, a one. Burrow's like a two. Burrow's yeah, Burrow's a three-four in that range. I'd say. Fair enough. All right, Burrow's not. A I got another one for you from JKFBK. Which player in your current top? Oh no. I'm sorry, I answered the wrong one. It was a simple question. This one is, why don't more tall players play cornerback? Ooh, because it's tough. Like, the reason why everyone wants a tall cornerback is because not a lot of guys can move that are six foot two, move backwards, and play quarterback. Well, it's, it's why there's not a lot of... It's like, why aren't there more 6'8 point guards in the NFL or in the NBA? Like, why, why doesn't everyone who's 6'8 just play point guard? Well, it's tough when you're 6'8 to be able to beat guys off the dribble consistently and break down the defense because you're not as agile. You're, yeah. When you are that, when you start getting taller, you lose a lot of that suddenness that it takes to play the cornerback position. So that's because as you get taller, you also get heavier. I mean, it's harder to be thin, like hard to be in a position where you're like you're you're cutting on a dime and running sub seven three cones. When well, you're like your center four. of gravity, like that's why Rondell Moore moves the way Rondell Moore does because he's five seven. If he was six foot two, he wouldn't move the way Rondell Moore does. You know, yeah, that's a big part of it. So. We're going to keep churning here. I'm here, loving the these. The first like, question I can answer here. It's about KJ Stefferson. Go ahead. Go. Yes. You go, oh, you oh sorry. Sorry. Okay. It's stupid me. All right. My brother-in-law brought up, huge Notre Dame fan brother-in-law. This is from Ryan from Chicago. Brought up KJ Stefferson, the Notre Dame wide receiver, to me as a potential beast as a draft prospect. But I wouldn't be on... It, but he wouldn't be on many radars because of his off-field issues. He knows I enjoy writing up draft players in my free time. Wow, love that. And told me to look into him. What do you think of him? So I had forgotten this about Stefferson, actually. He got arrested on back-to-back days back when it was at Notre Dame. Dude, I, had forgot, I had forgotten that it was that close together. Back-to-back days, he got arrested at Notre Dame. Basically, uh, about his red flag. Like That's like you're begging to be kicked out of Notre Dame. They don't have much of a tolerance there. They had a guy. They, they kicked out a guy. I don't know if I, I don't know if I should say his name, but a guy left had a transfer from Notre Dame because he had a girl in his dorm room after hours. Notre Dame doesn't fuck around about girls their rules and breaking them. So back to back days, that was his signed his, you know, receipt there at that Notre really Dame. signed his receipt. You can't have girls after hours. At yeah, Notre is Dame? this is this Notre Dame or that BYU? Was, that was Notre Dame. <laughs> that was I don't know if I Dude, no matter, no wonder you've kind of graduated college and just become an absolute Stop. savage. Just okay. so much repression at Notre Dame. <laughs> they literally like uh, breeding monsters. I mean, I moved off campus after my sophomore year, so I was. Then they don't care. I, I oh, care. okay, okay. So when you're on sense. campus, yeah. um, they don't track you when you go off campus. But Stefferson is, I mean, talent-wise, he's got it. You know, like that uncoachable movement skills and body control and just what it takes the skill part of the wide receiver he has and he's a very high level athlete now the coachable part like can you can he take to coach can, can he even like improve he hasn't improved he didn't improve when he went from freshman year to sophomore year to even at jacksonville state he peaked as a true freshman at Notre Dame. uh 
that's not good. Mm-hmm. So, but the talent, it, it is there. It, it is real. He would, he's like, he started over Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin. Like he was better than them when he showed up to campus, but everyone's developmental curve is different. So we'll see. This one I think is a fun one. CF four, three, two, one, one to ask. I think the Texans are in a potentially very elite spot. They can stomach the dead cap hits of the following deals. Who says no? That was it. They, he didn't list the deals. He didn't list the deals. He didn't list the deals. Oh. But I, let's just, I think this is obviously before free agency when they signed 35 players. I don't know if they're in a potentially elite spot anymore. What has your opinion been, uh, without jokes, leave the jokes out of it. What has your opinion been of what they've done in free agency by adding like legitimately more than 32 players this free agency that I would call none of them being tier one, tier two caliber players? I mean, it's hard to do it without jokes because it is a joke. Quite literally. This is not, unless you are, I don't think their plan is to tank. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. But they are trying to instill a culture or whatever, trying to weed out the guys they identified as problems on their roster and guys who weren't right culture fits to bring in their culture. That's why they're completely overhauling. And... Culture, culture gets you so far in the NFL. And I, I'm not sure they have the best culture, but even if you did, it only gets so far. Talent at the end of the day talks, and they are not a more talented team now than they were when they went 4-12 and 12 a year ago with Deshaun Watson. And even if they had Deshaun Watson, they'd be a less talented team now, which is crazy to think about. But, I mean, they have to hit reset. They, ha- they had to with that roster and with the cap situation. But, man, not the way I would have gone about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of with you, man. I think this is the, the Houston Texans. It's remember, hard to not. Remember when we said, where we were like, uh, which are the best GM jobs in the NFL mm-hmm. that are open? And we're like, yeah, the Texans could actually be all right. You just have to stomach it. It's like, no, that Texan job looks like ass right now. That, looks I like- mean, dude, they've, yeah, that they've, the roster has completely been overhauled. And I don't know if they got better in any area. Did they get better anywhere? Maybe the running back room? Because they added, what, Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram? But like, fuck. I mean, it's, it's dire straits there in Houston yeah. right now. Houston, we have a problem, and it's it's honestly the roster. <laughs> the problem is the roster. All right, I have a few more questions here before we jump off. The bonus mailbag coming to a close. This is from Sun Devil David, kind of putting you on the spot here. Oh. If Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence were in the same draft class and not knowing how Luck's career would turn out, injuries, early retirement, et cetera, who would, who would the first overall pick be? And would there be a consensus among teams and media? Obviously not with Chris Sims having fucking Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I think you would not see a consensus. Keep up the great work. Can't wait for the great content leading up to the draft. I could be Trevor Lawrence. Now, would there be a consensus? No. It's very close. Andrew Luck. They both had that high floor. I think Lawrence has better tools, though. Like I think Luck was just more, had the better frame. He was already like, what, 235, 240 coming out. Like he was big dude. That hit he had against the USC wide receiver, his was that redshirt junior year was pretty awesome. No hits like that in Lawrence's tape. I don't know if he has the that gene in him. But Lawrence can scoot, man. Lawrence runs is faster than Andrew Luck. So uh I'll say Lawrence by a hair, but there would not be a consensus. The other thing I wanted to ask you about Trevor Lawrence is a lot of people have been asking me and I think others about what is a comp for Trevor Lawrence. I think common comps you hear for Lawrence are like Elway, Peyton, Luck. But that's just comparing just how good of a prospect he is. I don't think yeah. he's, his traits or his like play style are all that similar to Luck. Like he is a legitimate. Yeah, he's unique. He's a legitimate four six athlete with like cons- I mean, he can run. He can. I mean, there's a lot of things that like Trevor Lawrence can do 
athletically that some of those other like quarterback prospects that were like all time couldn't even do that Trevor Lawrence can. Yeah, and he's and he's like oddly skinny, but then it doesn't really matter with the way he plays. I don't know. He's cool. It's cool prospect. All right, cool this is this nice is flow. I think this is a good question coming off the Monday episode where we pre, you know did a, the running back and tight end positional overviews. This is from Call Me Anything You Want. Ramondre Stevenson, Trey Sermon, Larry Roundtree. I would love to hear both of you break down these mid-round running backs. What do you what do they do well and what do they struggle with? And why should the Dolphins wait till day two for a running back? We just broke down why they should wait till day two. Broke that down in spades. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, power back, bigger dude. He was listed at like 247. I just came in the senior bowl and his pro day, I think, in the high 220s. That's a better weight. Um, good, Really good feet for a big back. Uh, and guys like he shreds arm tackles type of guy. He's not really a lower your shoulder power type of back, but he's more of a... Joe Mixon kind of power back where it's like Joe Mixon is massive and you just you can't tackle him because you really have to just square him up to get him down because he's massive so like Ramondre Stevenson Trey Sermon very elusive dude I think just a sol- solid in a number of areas like all around good running back I think he has good vision just like like I said I think earlier the high end with him I'm not sure there is much like I, I'm not sure he has great speed not sure he's particularly agile. I'm not sure he's going to be your receiving back in your offense. So those things with him. And then I, I'm really not a huge fan of Larry Roundtree. I, I just think he's he doesn't have the sand in his pants you like to see from a running back. Like when he tries to bang with the big dogs, like he, I think he goes down too easily. Like he, he doesn't – he's not going to take on a linebacker in the hole and fall forward. He's just kind of – didn't have that level of pop to him. I love really the use of those idioms there. Sand in the pants and bang with the big dogs. Thank you. That sounds pretty fantastic. I've been listening to some Bucky Brooks lately. I mean, Bucky Brooks, <laughs> sensational. All right, I wanted to answer this really question is. because um, it's about the Jacksonville Jaguars and what they were going to do in free agency, but obviously it's been passed. This is from Tableau Expert. It sounds like Cam Robinson is not coming back and Andrew Norwell is on the trade block. How do you think Urban Meyer's Jaguars will address the offensive line. So obviously Cam Robinson tagged, Andrew Norwell's still on the team. How yeah. so answer the question this way. How good do you think that Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line is with Juwan Taylor obviously at right tackle? Do you think they need to address it in the draft? They don't have any glaring problem areas, but they're still not good is the is the this is the kind of the issue yeah. there. They still they don't have a I guess the only guy, uh the center whose name is now eluding me, Brandon Linder, is their only quality option at this point. Norwell's solid enough at this point in his career. So also you would like guy. you would like to upgrade. You, you would like to add to that offensive line. They could be in play with that second first rounder. That could be an offensive lineman with kind of the depth of this class. And so you would like to improve. But if you roll in with this offensive line, you're not going to stunt Trevor Lawrence's development, I don't think, at this point. All right, and I think that's why they tag Cam Robinson. Basically to say we we don't like you paid for the certainty of not being awful at left tackle and not having to draft a left tackle is I think why they tagged him in the first place. Friend of the pod 69 asked a similar question with Norwell sounding like he's gone and Robinson's future also seeming in the air. What should the Jags do? Obviously, they wanted to keep both. They wanted to keep both and maybe they need, do need to get better at certain positions, but they kept both. They're not going to be addressing the offensive line early in this year's draft. All right. They, they might be. I just said they might be. You think they will? They might. I could see it. At 33? 
Like because it, it's one year on franchise tag, they're not playing. I don't. I don't think they're playing for this year. Their free agency strategy was certainly not to be playing all in for this year. They're kind of still building, and so I could see them with, like I said, with that second first round pick, the tackle values there. I could see them going that. Walker Little maybe. I could see it. I just said I could see it. All right, last one here for the bonus mailbag. This is from Big Chuck 99. The Giants have been mocked pay or even Rousseau with Parsons still on the board lately. Parsons may be the better rusher with a higher overall ceiling. Am I missing something? This seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, it's the Parsons off-field issues. They, he was involved in, he was named in that bullying scandal uh, that wasn't actually much of a scandal. It didn't get too many headlines. That was last year. That also was like Itor Grosmatos. Uh, was involved in but and there's some other stuff too but like yeah it could be some bad off it could stuff, be but what do you think purely on field what do you think of parsons versus pay and rousseau would you take parsons over both those guys yeah i think as if i'm even just like as an edge rusher i think yeah he's he is he's that quintessential good at football like that guy just gets it he just steps out of football field and the game comes easy to him dude guess what but, we only have 50 questions left before we catch up to March 10th and then another 75 before we catch up to March 20th. Hey. We're getting close. We are getting close. So what's that average of getting asked a day? It's seven and a half four. a day. Oh yeah, seven and a half a day. Okay. 75 to get 10 days. Mm-hmm. We love you guys. Seven and a half a day. Love that support. Also, we're kind of getting through like each episode, like 40, 40 to 50, which yeah. is solid. That's solid. We get through 40 to 50 every time. We're cruising. In two a day, two a week. Two a week. We'll... We'll catch up. Draft day. I just did the, I just did the math. <laughs> nice. Uh, if you want to get your question answered on a future mailbag episode, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and drop your question in there. Um, until next time, guys, Austin Gale, producer Mike Quinn, producer Dave Sofaro, Mike Renner, two-for-one drafts.